So God, it's uh, just a fact in this life that we are going to encounter storms. God, we were told in this life that that when we have you in our life, it's going to be good. But nowhere were we ever told that things are going to be peaches and roses all the time. God, you make life sustainable and doable. You give us life where there is death. And so, God, as we cover this topic this morning, I pray that you would first break our hearts to the point of weeping. Pray, God, that you would comfort us as we weep. And we pray, God, that you would help us to remember that you don't stop with comforting, that you don't stop with weeping, but you promise new life, a resurrected life. And so, God, as we read this account, this true account, we pray that you would give us ears to hear exactly what you want us to hear. So we love you, God, and we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I'm just going to tell you right from the get-go, um, this is a tough one. This is a tough sermon to preach. Um, and it's coming at a point in my life where I really needed it. Um, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew. We're glad you're here with us this morning. And, and I want to tell you right now, if you have your Bible with you or you have the Christ Church app or you have some type of Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to chapter 11 of John. And, and, I, and again, i got to tell you, you know, you should take wagers on how long I can make it in this sermon before I cry. Um, because the topic we're dealing with today is, is, is heavy. It's very heavy. In fact, it's, and it's affected every single one of us, and that's the problem of pain. We're talking about what it looks like for us as believers to have faith in moments of crisis. And I stand up here all the time telling you that we've got to believe in Jesus. We've got to have faith in God. And we just sing the songs through the storm. He is faithful. And, and the question I have is when, when you're the one in the middle of the storm, is, is, is it as easy to weather that storm as it is to be the one just simply saying it? You know, about a month ago, um, we, got, we got word that our dear friend uh, here on staff, Helen Reddy, was sick. And so she was in the hospital, and, and, and we as pastors and people around me began to pray, God, heal her, God, heal her, God, heal her. And Helen took a, a really nasty turn for the worst. Uh, I believe it was on a Thursday. And so I went down to the hospital with Pastor Jared. We visited Helen, and, and we prayed for Wald, and, and, and it was It was hard. Helen was someone who was dear to me. In fact, I'm wearing this shirt today because Helen always used to come up to me in the halls when I would wear it. And she's like, you're so beautiful. And she'd get right in my face. And so out of my love for Helen, I wore this, this little shirt for her today. Because after the service, we're going to do memorial service for Helen. But I got that call Thursday morning. I went down to visit her, had a sweet time with, with the people that were there. And I came back to the rehearsal. We were doing the... Um, the, the living last supper, or Da Vinci Code, as Pastor Robbie calls it. Um, and so we were rehearsing for that that night when I got a phone call from my brother. <clears throat> and he said, hey man, I want you to know Aaron, Aaron your friend, I'm not going to say his full name here, but Aaron's taken a real bad turn for the worst. Aaron was a friend of mine since I was born. Um, he's 35 years old and he was a soldier um, and due to his experience in the war, he was exposed to some traumatic chemicals that ultimately gave him a brain cancer that was not 
uh, sustainable. And so this Thursday night, I got a call from my brother and said, we, we need to get down to the hospital to see him. And so in that moment, I, I was weak. I cried, and, 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 I, and, you know, dealing with Helen and then dealing with my friend Aaron, and I was in front of a bunch of guys from our congregation, and I loved the way they handled me, because here I am weeping. And they just grabbed me, and they prayed over me. And it was so beautiful because, I'm telling you, we as pastors, we believe that we're a part of this family and we feel it here. And my brothers, who all wore makeup and wigs on that Thursday night, they gathered around me and we prayed. And I found strength from how God was using them in my life. I had precious moments with my friend before he died. I went down Friday morning and spent time with him and said everything I needed to say. Knew he knew the Lord, had that confirmation, and that night he died. That night I got word that an uncle of mine had been carrying some, or was cooking at the stove, and the grease in the stove caught on fire, and in an attempt to save his house, he grabbed the pit, the pot, and ran outside to throw it out, and his wife, thinking she was helping, threw a bucket of water and just destroyed him. He inhaled the grease and the flame and was burned over 100% of the inside of his body and he was burned at 50% of the front of his body and he's now laying in critical condition. At this point, I'm just thinking, come on, Lord. Like, give me a break. I'm expecting to get a flat tire on the, on the way home. It was just one of those moments in my life where I had it. And, and I, I was blessed because... My friend's family, he died the next morning, and, and they called me and they said, would you do the funeral? And I said, I would love to do the funeral. And while I was preparing for that funeral, I get a call. Helen Reddy has gone to be with the Lord. We've had those moments in our life, haven't we? Where it just pours pain. What do you do in those moments? How do we react in those moments? You know, it may not be death. It may not be the, the pain of, of, of a loved one suffering. It may be addiction. It may be your marriage. It may be your relationship with your children. But, but sometimes in this life, even when you believe in Jesus, there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. And there's going to be storms in your life. I'm so thankful that I had those brothers in Christ in that moment to stand beside me and to weep with me. And to pray for me. I'm so thankful for all of you and the people that, that reached out to my family during that time. And I'm thankful for the people that reached out to Walt Reddy and loved on that family. Because you see, death is certain. It comes to us all. Pain is certain. And it comes to us all. But because of what Jesus did on Resurrection Sunday, God doesn't deal in death. He cures it. Isn't that beautiful? Have you ever hurt in your life? Have you ever asked God the question of why are you doing this to me, God? I want to encourage you. And as, and as much garbage as this may sound like, or as churchies as this may sound, God does have a plan. God does have a purpose for everything. And when we're in the midst of pain, we're blind to it a lot of the time. And that's where faith really has to kick in. That's when all the stuff you work out and, and try out when you're, when you're spiritually healthy and when things are going great, this is when the rubber meets the road. You can never stop praying. You can never stop reading the Word of God because you don't know when you're not going to have the strength to do it anymore. And it's in that moment 
that you're going to need the things of this scripture. You're going to need the people that are surrounding you, and you're going to need those prayers. This is making sense, isn't it, church? And so when I preached at my friend's funeral, I was reading in my daily devotions, and I came to a section of scripture I could not get past. I I literally studied this little phrase for about three weeks, and it was Jesus wept. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. And I want to encourage you, if you're in like a a read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year plan, and you, you miss a day because you're stuck on a piece of Scripture, it's okay. It's better for you to digest and taste the food than it is to just swallow it and move past it. I want to encourage you, church, don't get caught up in plans. Get caught up in the Word. And so if God's speaking to you in a passage and you need to stay there for a little bit and study it up, do it. All right? It's just a little side note. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to John 11. We're going to come to this, through this whole chapter this morning. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we're in our series, Encountering Face-to-Face with, with Christ. We talked about Mary and Martha. We talked about how Mary and Martha were these sisters. They had a brother named Lazarus. And we briefly talked about this story. But I, I want to come at this story from the perspective of Jesus this morning. Because it's really a powerful story. It tells us a lot about who Jesus is, and it tells us a lot about ourselves. You see, what's happening is is Jesus is is doing his work. He's gone about town. He's taking care of business. He's He's raising people from the dead. He's healing people, the sick. He's giving people their sight. The Pharisees want to kill him. They're at this point now where they want to arrest him. They want to stone him. They want to do something, and so they're frustrated. And so Jesus' ministry has now become this caravan that's moving all over the place. He's about 20 miles outside of the city. He's at a, at a little town called, I want to give you the name of the town here. Um, Beth Abara is where Jesus is in the moments of the beginning of this story. He's hanging out in this town and he gets a messenger from Mary and Martha that comes to him and says, Lord, Lazarus, your friend, the guy you love. We remember Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha, and Jesus had spent time with them. He gets message that Lazarus is sick. They're praying for Lazarus to be healed. They're praying for Lazarus to have life. And Jesus says these amazing words uh, in, in, excuse me, John 11. He says, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Didn't Jesus just say he loved this guy? So if you love somebody and they say the hour's drawing near, do you know what the normal response for somebody is who loves somebody? They get on a plane and they get there. When I heard that my friend was sick and he was dying, I dropped everything and I went to him. And this Jesus who says he loves us hangs around for two days. Is that contradictory to what he says in another part of Scripture, that he he loves them? I mean, that would cause you to question. If you're dying on your deathbed and you call for someone to come to you, and instead they hang out and they say, you know what, i got a little bit of work i got to do before I come over. That would bother you, wouldn't it? So in Mary and Martha's eyes, they're, they're confused at this. It's, it's only a day's journey to where they're at. Where's Jesus? Jesus says, surely this will not end in death. 
for his friend Lazarus. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now the disciples jump in and they start trying to tell Jesus you shouldn't go back because you remember you've kind of upset the entire world. And if we go back to, towards Jerusalem or anywhere near there, they're going to want to arrest you. They're going to want to take you. They're going to want to seize you. And they say these words to Jesus. Uh, but Rabbi, uh, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and uh, you're going to go back there? Jesus in this moment demonstrates to us yet again that he is willing to lay down his life for his friends. And he tells his disciples, saddle up because we're going back. Jesus answered them in verse 9. He says, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he is seen by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Hmm. After he said this, they went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has in fact fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now the disciples, again, were on this side of the New Testament. They're living it. They don't know what Jesus is talking about. What do you mean he's fallen asleep? We, we're not, we're not going to go like play bedside service and wake this guy up. Is that, is that really what you have for us, the disciples of the Lord? And so Jesus just kind of shaking his head in this moment because all too often we as silly people don't understand what the Lord's trying to say to us. And Jesus, his disciples say, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. It's good that he's sleeping. Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that he's dead. I mean, what happened to this caring, nurturing Jesus? He hangs out for two days and waits for his friend to die. And now he's telling his disciples, I'm glad he's dead. Does that seem like a Jesus that cares to you? Does that seem like a Jesus who's, who's going to take care of your needs? And the answer is yes. Because you see, Jesus knows the whole plan. These guys don't. I don't. You don't. And so when those storms come up in our lives, it's important for us to remember Jesus knows how it's going to end. And it's always, not always, but sometimes, most of the time, going to end differently than we think. Because it's not our will. It's His will. Thomas, the one we call doubter, the one we give a rough time, does something amazing in this moment. Because he rallies the troops. And he says, hey, let us go, with, go that we may die with Him then. See, we give Thomas all this crud for being doubtful Thomas, doubting Thomas, when Thomas is actually pretty devoted. He says in this moment, guys, we've got to stop complaining. If Jesus wants to go do this, we need to go with him and see what's going to happen. He rallies the troops, and so they go. It says this in verse 17, that on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days. At four days, the funeral's over. At four days, the mourners are there. This is when the, the loving hands ministry jumps in and people are baking food for this family at this point. Lazarus is gone. He's decaying. And Jesus shows up in town. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. 
When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed home, brokenhearted, I'm sure. Why didn't he come? He told us he would give us life. And now we suffer. Now we experience death. And Mary, with a broken heart, stays home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she has this moment where she confronts Jesus with her human thoughts. But what I love about Martha in this moment, remember I told you Martha always didn't get it wrong. She gets it right here because she then says, but I know that even now God will give you what you ask for. And Jesus looked at her and said, your brother will rise again. Martha, being one who loves Jesus in this moment, thinks that Jesus is speaking of, of a prophecy or, uh, that happens in Daniel. Uh, it's actually uh, found in, if you're, if you're interested, Daniel 12 too, where it talks about the resurrection of the dead and, and the life to come. And so Martha says, you know, Jesus, I, I know. Uh, I, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come in the world. Uh, excuse me, he says, she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And in verse 25, Jesus says to her, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after this, she, uh, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. And she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who, met, uh, who had been with Mary in the house com- were comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her thinking that she was going to the tomb. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing that that, that Martha said. Do you think they had been talking about where is God? Where is God in all of our pain? Where is God? He said he would be here. He said our brother would live, but he's not here. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved, and the Spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus wept. You know, I used to make this joke all the time about this being the, the, the shortest passage in the Bible. And, but this is a theologically jam-packed two words. Jesus wept. And I want you to think about your time of mourning. Jesus tells us something very important with these words that Jesus wept. Because you see, He's God. Why would God weep when He knows the end of the story? Why would God weep? Why would He bother to shed the tears when He knows that Lazarus is about to get up out of the grave? Why would He do that? You know why He would do that? When I was in um, 11th grade, I had a friend by the name of Brian who... I belonged to an art circle with. We were called the Da Vinci's Crowd. <laughs> and, and it was an art circle that my art teacher at my high school ran. And, 
we were really committed to our craft and to our trade. And, and one day my friend Brian was playing basketball with his brother and fell over dead. Oh, the pain. Here we are, these young kids, thinking we're immortal. We come to our, our art class and we sit there and we weep. Our friend is dead. And I remember we loved our art teacher, Mr. Nelson. Mr. Nelson was the man. He, he cared for us. He loved us. And I remember thinking, Mr. Nelson's going to be strong. He's going to hold it together. But you know what Mr. Nelson did? He sat down and he cried with us. He didn't tell us, hey, it's going to be okay, buddy. He said, this is awful. And he wept with us. Do you know that when you're going through hardships in your life, when you are going through pain, when you're experiencing death, Jesus weeps with you. God does not delight in death. Get that out of your head. Jesus weeps with you. Now remember, he is God. He knows how the story is going to end. One day all of us who believe in him are going to resurrect to life with him. But he still loves you so much because remember, you're seeing Jesus as fully God and fully man. And when Jesus weeps, he's having one of these fully man moments. And so when you lose a loved one, when you're going through pain, when you have that moment and you say, all I want to do is cry, for the love of God, cry. Weep. It's right to weep. It's right to mourn. But you can't stay there. Jesus wept, letting the people know, I love you. I see your pain. Your pain is real, and I came to remove the sting of death. The Jews who see Jesus weeping say, See how he loved him. But some said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You ever had that moment? You say you rose from the dead on Easter, but you took my grandma from me. You say that you love me, but I have cancer. Listen. As C.S. Lewis says, hardship prepares the ordinary heart for extraordinary destinies. God didn't tell us everything was going to be smooth sailing and okay. He's telling us in this moment, you will experience pain. But what he's about to do is he's about to bring glory to God. And I promise you this, whether through your life or through your death, God will bring glory to himself through those that love him. My friend Aaron died. And I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with like 1,500 people. And I told his mother, I think that through Aaron's death, more people are going to be touched than were touched through his life. And she totally agreed. There's so much more to that story I wish I could tell you. But sometimes in our pain, sometimes in our death, God will bring glory to himself. The people were doubting. Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing where he came from, said, get that stone out of the way. You know, I love this moment where Jesus weeps because one theologian that I read this past uh, week said that Jesus might have also been weeping because he knows where he was about to call Lazarus from. What he was calling him back to. And I want to ask you the question, what's so bad about death? If we believe what we say we believe, we can mourn for us. 
But should we not rejoice for those who are with the Lord? The Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when it says that Jesus was moved, but he was also troubled, I have to believe it's because Lazarus is about to experience something that Jesus himself experienced. Not heaven, or not earth to heaven, but heaven to earth. What are we so afraid of with death? Do we believe what we say we believe? Jesus says, take the stone away. The stone is moved. Jesus looks in and he says, Lazarus, get up. Get out of there. I love the way Warren Wiersbe says it. He says, if Jesus had not called Lazarus by name, every single person in that cemetery would have got up. (laughs) Because our God is big. Our God is strong. He is mighty. And he calls Lazarus by name and he says, get up and get out of here. And what does it say? It says that Lazarus came out and he was in front of them. He was alive. He didn't stink. And I want to promise you this. That in the storms of your life, no matter how smelly they are, no matter how dead and decayed you think you are, Jesus promised new life to those who love Him. And I promise you, if you confess your sins to God and you cry out to Him, He will give you a new life that doesn't stink. It's not always going to be easy. And yes, you're still going to experience pain and you're going to experience hardship. But having Jesus in your life makes those things bearable. Amen? And I want to challenge you to really cry out to God because you see Jesus wept with his followers. Jesus moved past the morning and then comforted them by saying, you know what? I'm going to make it okay. I promised you new life. And I want to tell you this, whatever the storm is in your life, Jesus is promising you new life if you believe in him as your Lord and Savior. For those of you that have cancer, it may be God's will to, will to heal you. But it may be God's will to heal you by bringing you home. We prayed for healing for my friend Aaron, and ultimately we received it. It just looked different than we were hoping. When Mary and Martha were told by Jesus, your brother, this story is not going to end in death, I promise you they weren't thinking that he was going to bring a rotten corpse up from the ground and turn it back into life. The story will end differently than you think. Don't put God in the box. Pray for his will to be done, not your will. When we prayed, Lord, heal our friend, in our prayer we said, God, we trust you. It is your will. And when Aaron died, we had peace because we knew that he was with the Lord. Jesus promised us new life. He promised us a resurrection. And I promise you this, Aaron received the resurrection, not the bodily resurrection that that Lazarus experienced, but he received a spiritual resurrection because he knew who his Savior was. Just like Helen Reddy knew who her Savior was. We prayed for healing for Helen and she received it and will be resurrected into new life with the Lord. And we can weep for those who we have lost with the understanding and expectation that one day we will see them with the Father for those who love Him. What are you mourning over, church? What are you afraid of? Do you understand that it's right to weep? That it's right to comfort? And it's right for us to remember that Jesus promised life. Do you live in that promise? Or do you live in fear? Do 
you live in that promise or do you live in that fear? When the disciples were out on the water with Jesus, a storm arose. Jesus was sleeping in the back, just hanging out. Remember, these are fishermen. This is what they do. So for this storm to scare them, it had to be a bad one. They cried out to Jesus, and he says, relax, I got this. And he silences the storm, and he stills the water. He doesn't just make the storm stop. He stills the water. You can't even sit down in your bathtub without the waters being a mess, right? Jesus stills the water. Do you have fear? Do you have pain in your life? Trust it to God. Because He will heal it. Amen, church? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your resurrection. God, if you did not have the power to defeat death, everything else that you had said or done would have been a moot point. You are the resurrection. You are the truth. And you are the life. And we thank you, God, for the way that you love us. You love us because you know the story. You know how it's going to end. And you're going to bring glory to yourself through us. And whether that be by our life or by our death, we pray that you would give us the faith that we need to have to follow you and to trust you. Because, God, if I'm real honest, these moments hurt and they're very scary. And in these moments, we do begin to doubt and have questions and fears. But you are good. And you promised us life. So as we encounter you, remind us daily of that new life we receive in you. And today, a little later, as we celebrate our dear friend Helen, remind us, God, it's okay for us to weep. Because you weep with us. It's okay for us to be comforted and that we should be comforted by you, not by the things of this world. But remind us that one day, as you went to prepare a place for us, we will fill that place. Thank you for the promise of life, God. This is not defeat. This is victory.